So uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 is not in chronological, chronological order with creation. It goes through the, the creation days, and then it jumps back and gives us a little bit more detail about how man was created. What we see is that where God spoke things into existence. He spoke light. He spoke and there was light. He spoke and the stars were created. He spoke and the oceans were separated from the land. He spoke and plants were created. But he took special care with humanity. He formed it. He could have just said, and man too. But he took special care with humanity to form them out of the dust of the ground. Now, the word translated as dust, it's like it's loose dirt. And the word loose dirt, it's basically he's taking just the stuff off the top and, he, and he's forming it in. And I, I'm, I'm really excited about, the, about this part of the account of creation because it answers questions that wouldn't be asked for thousands of years. And, and so I want to talk about that for just a second. But I, I, I alluded to this a few weeks back. But there's a remarkable thing is happening in this in this statement where he says, informed the man of dust from the ground. Where did humanity come from? Why are we here and what are we here for? Isn't that the question that plagues us? And how did we get here? Did we come from another planet? Did God's create us? Did we just come to be? Are we angels ourselves? All these questions that humanity's wrestled with for such a long time. And the Bible answers the question with this really offensive answer. If I could just be honest with you, how offensive is this that we're made from dirt? You know, we like, I'm sure that people had these grand visions of where they came. I mean, look at us. We're amazing. We're better than all the other animals. And we're like, where did we come from? And then, and then God comes out and he's like, he inspires uh, people to, to inscribe this and he teaches them. And he's like, I formed you out of the dirt, actually. That's what happened. <laughs> I made you out of dirt. And how ridiculous is that thought? Then. Right? Except in the last couple hundred years, you know what we've been able to prove through science is that our bodies are composed of the same thing that's in the dirt. Not only that, but I was looking at some articles this week from 2010 and 2017, and they're startled to learn that we're made from the same stuff as the stars. And so there are these articles that'll go out. If you'd say, man from stardust, it'll be like, yeah, because we've got the same things just in a different order and a different composition, you know, different percentages and everything else. We're not made in the same percentages as stars because that'd be weird. You know, like that wouldn't work. Just, um, <laughs> they but, but we got all the same stuff. It's just reordered. And, and so you look at it, and, and like God said this 5,000 years ago before anybody was really even asking the question. What's funny is, so we've got the same stuff that the stars have, the same stuff that the earth has, the same stuff that monkeys have, and amoebas have, and, and fish have, and lizards have. And so what we've done is we're like, wow, that's, that must mean that we all came from the amoebas. Right? And, but that wasn't God's intent. God wasn't foolish. He didn't not understand that we were going to come into an intellectual age where people wanted to reject him. When he put this in the Bible, he knew that we were going to enter a season of time where we weren't satisfied. We weren't philosophers anymore. We weren't going to be, we, we weren't going to be people of faith anymore, especially in the Western culture. There are places in the world where spiritual things are real. They're, what is spiritual is more true than what's, what's, 
what's intellectually known or scientifically known. But in our hemisphere, in the Western world, we place science and all these other things on top of philosophy and spiritual truth or revelation, spiritual things. God knew this time was coming. And he's like, okay, so these people are going to, he, he didn't have to think about it like I'm going to show. He's, he knew it. But he, he what's anthropomorphically thought, there's a $3 word for student Sunday. Just Google it. Um, it's giving human characteristics to things that aren't people. <laughs> Don't Google it. Put your phone down. <laughs> God's like, hmm, there's going to be this thing, the Industrial Revolution. People are going to start thinking that intellect is the most important thing and that intellectual truth is the highest form of truth. And they're going to, they're going to use that as a means of rejecting me because there are going to be some crazy things that happen in the world. Wars, there are going to be battles, there are going to be things fought, and there are going to be some things that, that they learn that aren't consistent with what they had always been told. So I'm going to put some hints in there for them. I'm going to go ahead and answer the question that nobody's answering yet and tell them where they came from. When science learned, now science is only possible because of God, right? Science started because believers were like, wow, God created everything in an orderly fashion. He created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, and there's order to it. I can expect the same results. And being able to expect the same results is only possible because of the way that God created things in an orderly fashion. It should be moving toward disorder. It's moving towards order. It stays in order, and it shouldn't be. And so, so we like science. Christians should be the best scientists because we've got insight and perspective from the one who created it in the first place, who makes it possible in the first place. But so he's like, I'm going to put some cues in here in the Bible so that when they figure out that they're made out of dirt, they know that I'm the one that made them out of dirt. But what happened is we found the dirt and we were like, we must have evolved. We must have evolved. That dirt must have turned into a single-celled organism, which must have turned into something else, which must have turned into something else, which must have turned into something else. It's, it's staggering. If you really take a look at evolution, I'm not trying to make, the, this is not a sermon about evolution or creation. What I'm trying to say is God knows the questions that you're going to ask, and he's already answered them ahead of time in his word. He knows the struggles that you're going to have. He knows the struggles that our society has, and he's already put the answer and the solution to those struggles and problems in his word for us. He knew that there was going to be racism, so he, he gave us reconciliation in Jesus Christ. He knew that we were going to have the political environment that we had, so he sent an angel to Gideon. And Gideon's like, hey, are you with us or with them? And he's like, I'm with God. So that we could know that God is with God all the time. And the best thing that we could do is try and get with God instead of trying to get with ourselves. Right? For reconciliation, for for science, for whatever it is. Let's get with God. But he knew that we were going to have these questions and have these challenges and he provided the answer to it before anybody was asking it. You know, it's like if you walked into a room and they said, it's in the cabinet. You know, it's kind of like at a Chinese restaurant. You go and you order and the food's like there before you're done talking. And you're like, you knew I was coming. <laughs> it's just so fast. It's not really that fast. It just feels that fast. Like the <laughs> Jimmy John's. <laughs> you know, there's a theory that the stars collided and they, and they, and they came down to earth and and earth was created through these other collisions, and that's why we're here, and that's why they're stardust, and that's why we have stardust in us, because it all started elsewhere. Um, 
but it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't make us think that it all came from one place as much as it should make us think that, hmm, maybe it was all done by the same author. I had some pictures of Monet I forgot to give to the projection team. <laughs> but if you, look at the, if you look at Claude Monet's drawings, he has a very distinct style. And he uses the same stuff that uh, Picasso used, but at a very, very different style. Middle school, high schoolers, you can Google that. Claude Monet, M-O-N-E-T, right? It's French, not money, right? <laughs> it's Monet, Claude Monet, just history, right? We're going all, we're talking science and philosophy and art. So, so what you should do, what you would do is if you saw these drawings all over the place and you were like, hey, I saw a drawing like that somewhere else. Hmm, I saw one like that somewhere else. And you're walking along and you're like, man, there's, there's something that ties all of these things together. They all use paint. They use these blurred lines. They use these interesting colors, this interesting perspective. Maybe the same person was doing all the work. And then you see a Picasso Right? And those are interesting shapes and everything else. It's not realism. It's, 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 a, I don't even, it's abstract art, right? I don't know what it's really called. So, yeah, was that right? Nailed it. <laughs> That's because God loves you. So, so there's this abstract. You'd go, oh, that was designed by someone different. So maybe that God used the same substance and the same things and the same systems and the same cells and the same elements in the stars, in the sky, in the, in the air that we breathe, in the water that we drink, in the animals that we look at and eat when they're delicious, in the, in the plants that we grow and also eat, and all of these things, these same elements are there. Should we go, oh, they all came from, these, from one place, or should we all say they were designed by the same person? You've got to make that choice. I'm going with the Bible because it was right 5,000 years ago. And the, the, the ideas that we come up with are going to change. Did you know the brontosaurus is not really a dinosaur? Tragic. My favorite dinosaur never even existed. Just, it's sad. I, I need a moment, actually. I was like, wow, that's really... That ruined my childhood just now. I, Pluto's a planet again, at least. That's encouraging. Have you been following that drama? That's like a middle school relationship. It's like on again. No, it's just a dwarf planet. We're not best friends anymore. You're like, in, you're in the Siberia of friendships. Oh, you know, you're a planet again. Come on, I love you. You're my favorite. I just love you. We're BFS. You're my friends forever. Here's my necklace. Share it. Whatever. Go away. You're not a planet. Students, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's like, uh, never mind. It's about to get really real. That's like some marriages. That's like some college students. That's like some workplaces. I'm just saying, just guard your heart, whatever. Let's keep going. We've got stuff we've got to cover. The Bible is waiting for us to return <laughs> to get back to it. All right. You know, it's, it was beautifully made. It was beautifully made. Psalm 139, verses 14 through 16. 
The psalmist is praising God. He says, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. He looks across the span of creation. Your works are wonderful. The stars, the stars are amazing. The planets are baffling. It's staggering to see what you created, God. It's extraordinary. My, my, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every single one of them, the days that were formed and set aside for me, when yet there was not one yet. When yet there was none of them. In my mind, I pictured as saying, I'm beautifully made, but I, now I'm seeing we, there are men in the room and that wouldn't go well. But you need to know that you are wonderfully made. You are wonderfully and intentionally made. He formed it out of the dust of the ground, took great care with humanity, and we're about to see the great lengths that he went to to make sure that we didn't just stay clay. We didn't just stay the same level or the same existence as a, as a dog or a cat or a rock or the fish that people think we came from. There's this altogether different way that God brought us life and brought us strength and brought us hope. Some of y'all got to stop calling bad what God was calling good. He did a wonderful job. Stop beating yourself up. Because you're not what somebody else wants you to be or you're not even what you want to be. Stop beating up other people because they're not what you thought they should be or because you're, they're not what they think they should be and you just heap it on to them. If, if, by, if we are formed at the hand of God to be made in his image, and his image isn't just in the, is not just the physical thing, it's the creativity, it's the, most importantly, the spiritual part of our, of our being, which we're going to talk about in just a moment because that's the name of the series. <laughs> but stop beating it up. Stop beating yourself up. You know, um, if, you, if you are a person of color, he did that on purpose. He did it on purpose. There was not an accident in the shade that you came in, regardless of what was said in your middle school or your high school or your elementary school. You know, people aren't black enough. You're too white. You're too black. You're too in the middle, and you don't fit in here, and you don't fit in there. For white people, he made you on purpose too. Sometimes, sometimes I'll just sometimes as a white guy, I'm like, man. <laughs> it's a different struggle, but it is also real. <laughs> I can you imagine walking around feeling like you're the problem for everything that's happened? <laughs> I know it's not the same. I understand. I know it's not the same. There are things and conversations I will never have to have with my son that my brothers and sisters of color will have to have with their sons. The conversations that you've had to have already, the experiences that you've had to have already, I have not had some of those. I have not had many of them, and I don't worry about them for my son the same way. But if he made you colorful, if he made you very dark-skinned, very tan-skinned, very whatever you call yourself, whatever you identify with, then it goes to show, it goes to prove that also he made me white on purpose too. Amen. Right? Now this isn't just, so that's, it's not about me being white, it's about you being white and being okay with that. 
you have a responsibility and a stewardship, regardless of what shade you are, to recognize, to find the beauty that the psalmist spoke of in God's creation of man. To recognize that it's not just I am fearfully and wonderfully made, but so are you. Like we, we hear it and we go, yes, I am. <laughs> some of us. Some of us are like, no, I'm not. And that's I was rebuking you earlier when I was like, you got to stop calling bad what, what he called good, right? What the word said is beautifully, fearfully and wonderfully made. Look, I don't care if you agree with it or not. It's what the Bible says, and I'm going with that truth over your truth. That's a millennial thing, like my truth, your truth, our truth, their truth. You know, it's like true truth. You know, like which one's more true? Um, but I'm going with the truth of the Bible. That I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And if I am fearfully and wonderfully made, then you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we need to hear that as a promise for ourselves, as much as we hear it for the promise of the people that we're looking at. Now, some of us need to steward what was fearfully and wonderfully made better. I mean, I, I got to a place, I was, I was 55 pounds heavier than I am now. My knees hurt. I didn't want to play with the kids. My back hurt all the time. I just wanted to go to work and sleep. And it was like, you know, this is not good. I'm not stewarding this well. He, he fearfully and wonderfully made it, and I'm carelessly destroying it. So I don't know who that's for, but take care of it. Take care of yourself. Let's all, there was a challenge we, we took on last year. I haven't talked about it in a little bit, but let's be healthier a year from today than we are now. Right? It doesn't mean you can't enjoy an occasional nacho. <laughs> or barbecue. <laughs> Yeah, there's no such thing as a singular nacho. That was a lie. That was the first lie I told today. I just want to confess that. <laughs> so man was formed, and then God filled man. Cool thing. When we think about God breathing into Adam's nostril, it wasn't breath as we understand it because God doesn't need anything outside of himself to exist. So Adam wasn't getting a nose full of carbon dioxide and humidity. <laughs> he was receiving the Spirit of God. And by receiving the Spirit of God, what was just, what was formed and what was fearfully made now took on the very image of God. Being filled now with the Spirit of God, this vessel of clay became the masterpiece of creation. The grand masterpiece, the one that you set up ahead of everything else, the one that you hold up, the one that you show everybody, you display it prominently. Man became when he was filled by the Holy Spirit. And man lived. It says the man became a living creature. God's Spirit came into man and energized that vessel filled him with ability and creativity, filled him with a spiritual life and a spiritual reality, an eternal reality in mind, an immortal eternity in mind, a clear starting point with no end if we would stay in the life that he intends for us. He had everything that he needed to do what God had created him to do. The purpose 
that God created man for was going to be able to be fulfilled because God was going to empower him to be able to do it. You know, um, some of you are struggling to understand what your purpose is because you're trying to figure it out separate from God and separate from the Spirit of God dwelling in you. Separate from the one who created you with and for the purpose that you were created for. So you're frustrated and you can't figure it out. You've tried this and you've tried that. You've tried money. You've tried relationships. You've tried success. You've tried fun. You've tried, you've tried, uh, you've tried drugs. You've tried to find satisfaction and meaning from everything the world has to offer and it came up blank. Because to truly know your purpose, you need to first know God and to be filled by his spirit. And when you know who God is and you have his spirit dwelling inside of you, you'll have context for your life. You're like a, you're like a Rolls Royce body of a car with a Fred Flintstone engine. <laughs> Young people, do you know Fred Flintstone? He, run, he powers his car with his feet. So you had this thing that was custom built at every single point. Custom fender, custom lamps, custom wires, custom everything. Built for the person who's going to drive it. Every last detail customized for the person who's going to be in it. And then you sit down in it, cut the bottom out, and try and push it. I, maybe I shouldn't have said you. I have been known to drive the Rolls Royce. <laughs> it just got weird. With, a fled, with my feet, with my strength, with my effort, with my purpose. I set the direction. I set the purpose. I set the mode. And God's like, I built this for a very specific purpose. Yes. Not for you to operate it, but for me to operate it. Wow. You see, Adam was just formed until he received the Spirit. And I'm like, I'm formed, I'm good. <laughs> Let me go. I know what to do, God. I know how to do this. And your feet get sore. And your body gets worn out. Your soul gets burned out. Because you're the one that's trying to power the thing that his spirit is intended and designed to power. You know, uh, Iron Man, right? The superhero, that's not in the Bible. He's got that power cell thing in his chest, right? But you throw a couple D cells in there and homeboy is going to fall out of the sky. Because he needs a very specific power source to be able to accomplish the things that he designed the suit and designed his thing to accomplish. You plug anything else into there, it's not going to work. At best, you get a measured success for a period of time. And that's the tricky thing about this Fred Flintstone approach to the Rolls Royce that God has built us to be is that you can make it for a little while. 
You can make it for some time, and you might even be able to make it further than the people around you have made it. And so you think, man, I'm winning this thing. (laughs) It's like a soapbox derby. Just zipping down, you're like, hey, 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 I'm winning. And then, like, somebody rides by on a bike. No, not even a car, just a bike. And you're like, oh, I'm not winning. I'm... The real, the real risk with trying to be the one that powers your car is that you're, you'll inevitably come to a place of, of failure. You're not going to be able to make it. And you're going to try and fill it with all these other things like I talked about earlier. You're going to get stuck. And Ephesians 5 15 through 17 says this, it says, look carefully then how, is you, uh, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God, uh, what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. Now, let me, let me pause here for just a second. Um, it doesn't have to be wine that you use to distract yourself from the pain of failure or the pain of burnout or not living at the optimal place that God has called you to live at. It can be bad relationships. It can be other drugs. It could be things on the internet. It could be, uh, it could be uh, the, the temptations of, of varied kinds. It can even be doing as many good things as you can do. It's not all bad stuff, right? Some of the worst stuff is the good stuff that we try and do to make up for the fact that we know that we're empty on the inside. I feel empty on the inside, so I'm going to do all these good things that I can do. I'm going to, I'm going to give money. I'm going to give time. I'm going to give effort. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then somehow maybe I can overcome this, this lack of, of satisfaction and fulfillment that I have when Christ is the one that desires to fill that void and bring life and power and energy to every part of who you are. So don't be drunk with wine or with any other thing. Don't find satisfaction or numbing any other place but be filled with the Spirit. It is the Spirit who gives us life. It is the Spirit who gives us meaning. It is the Spirit who gives us purpose and the means to accomplish that purpose that God has built us with and for. We ought to be a people who are filled with the Spirit of God. And the way that we do that is we first cry out to God and we say, God, I am sorry I have fallen short of what you have intended and desired for me. God, I've done things my own way. I've powered my own car. I've, I've done what I think is right instead of what you say is right. I've, I've carved my own way instead of following your way. God, I'm sorry I'm turning from that. I acknowledge that you are my creator. I acknowledge that you are king. I acknowledge that you are Lord of all things. I, re- I, I, I turn from everything that I know to be sin. And I invite you, I invite your forgiveness, I invite your love, I invite your power into my life. And at that point, when we're washed clean, the Spirit of God becomes pleased to come and dwell in us. Not not because you're not going to mess up again, not because you've done so well, but because of the forgiveness of Jesus is so complete, is so permanent, that everything that you were once 
is no longer spiritually discernible. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to live spirit-filled lives. I acknowledge this morning that that you are the Lord of all, that you are our creator. You built us with and for a purpose, and you desire to fill us by your Holy Spirit so that we can accomplish what you've intended us to do. Not for our own glory or edification or fame, so that your image could be known across the face of the earth. 